Welcome to Make Work Fun, the podcast exploring the fun side of the creator economy. We're the show all about business with a bit less of the business. I'm Ben Bradbury. Make Work Fun, season finale of season one. Brett, can you believe it? We're at the end of the road this first season already. Time flies. I think the summer, just something about the summer weather just Ooh. makes time fly. It just we, blew. But we are here. I hope uh, all those listening, whether you're listening to the first one or you're just listening now, you, you've enjoyed what we've discussed uh, and you'll enjoy what we're going to discuss today. Yeah, we have had a ton of fun making this. This is actually our second in-person recording. The first one was recorded uh, a whole week ago in these chairs and we've sat here for exactly a week in the same clothes, haven't moved and uh, now here recording another episode. And we got some banging segments for you guys today. We are going to get into the music side of the creator economy with Amazon's new creator fund called on a platform called AMP, which stands for Amazon Music Player. Uh, we're going to talk about a platform that's not doing so well. Patreon just laid off 17% of its staff getting into trouble. And then, Brett, you've got some fun segments too. Yeah, unfortunate for Patreon. Very, very sad to be hearing that happening in the creator economy. But um, on my end, what we got to talk about is... Mr. Beast, who has come up in a couple of segments, he recently just launched an actual in-person restaurant, and now the company that manages him, Night Media, is partnering with TCG, a venture capital firm, to basically help other creators launch their own consumer products and make a shit ton of money. And then I'll be talking about a unique company called Spotter that works with YouTube creators and essentially gives them an upfront sum of money. And in exchange, Spotter gets access to earnings from their previous catalog from ad revenue and all that good stuff. So I'm excited to dive into that and what the future of investing in creators looks like. All right, let's jump in with Amazon. Amazon is establishing a creator fund. Creators, as part of this, are going to have the chance to create a live show on AMP, Amazon Music Player. I think radio is a great format, Brett. You have music overlaid with people talking. It's a great mix of content and conversation. The problem is there's no control. I don't get to choose what's coming on the radio. I don't get to choose what DJs to listen to. Enter AMP. AMP is like radio for the modern consumer. The whole idea is that you're going to be able to listen on your phone to people who have their own stations, and then they can curate from Amazon's back catalog of 90 plus million songs or whatever they have now, and they can talk over the top of it. So they've got some big players. I think Nicki Minaj has her own radio station. They've got some big celebrities in on it at the moment. But first of all, before we go any further, what do you think about this as as a format? Just when you think there's not any more ideas in the world, you you come across something like this where you're like democratizing people becoming radio hosts. Mm. And I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out. So you're telling me, Ben, if if you wanted to go and basically launch your own quote unquote radio show where you commentate and play, I don't know, jazz music, mm-hmm. I can tune into that and listen to you yes, do sir. that? Yeah, that can be our rainy Tuesday evenings now, Brett. Wow. We can make that happen. Mm, I like that. I mean, it's kind of like what Spotify's done with Anchor, right? So anyone can start a podcast now. Anchor.fm means on your phone, you can just go boop, record, boop, upload, and you get access to all of Spotify's music too. So I can have an introductory song or a fade out song, which is on Spotify. Like it's legit. Does the content need to be live? Like I can only tune into you when you're playing Mm. from five to six or... Or do you record your bit and I can listen back to it? I would imagine it's a bit of both. Good question. I think it's both. I'm not 100%, but I do think it's both. This is one of the big challenges that Clubhouse faced. Right. So if you're a live-only 
platform, you have to have fire content 24 hours a day. That's nigh on impossible. And especially with Clubhouse, where it's outside of a vertical, the whole prop is it's intimate conversations anywhere. You're saying, all right, I need to have great content in all of these categories all of the time. There's just not the talent for it. There's not the demand either. So I think that's one of the reasons Clubhouse struggled. So I'm pretty sure it's going to be an on-demand model as well. Mm. Yeah, that'd be awesome because it basically would be like podcasting, but I guess specifically focused on radio shows and, and music. Is, is it music specific? So it's a mix of music and conversation. So the whole idea is I can go on the radio and say, hey, today I'm going to play you this track from this. I really love this about it. Please enjoy. And you just create some color and texture around the music. A good example of this, a podcast that does this really well is called Dissect. And Dissect, every single season will take an album. So they've done My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye, for example. And then every single episode is a song. And in that song, they'll break down all the samples, all the inspiration, all the references from that piece of music. And so when I now listen to Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, that song means so much more to me because I've had the context. And that's what I think you get with a radio-like format is you're not just saying, hey, here's music I like, press play, but you're getting the color, you're getting the story behind the music. That's really cool. It's basically democratizing radio. So you're no longer tied to whatever is on the FM stations yep. or AM stations. Does anyone, anyone listen to AM? I don't, I don't know if anyone listens to AM. Um, <laughs> it's been a few months. It's been a few months. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's really exciting just as though Substack has d democratized folks getting their, their content out to the world. You know, you don't no longer need to have the distribution from like writing mm. in the New York times or something. Anyone can go out there and, and do it. Well, these platform plays are hard because in order to build a critical mass on a platform like Substack or a, a network-based platform, you need eyeballs, you need attention, right. you need community. And the way that you do that is not by going grassroots of saying, get the little guy on who is just going to start his first show. No, you go for the big celebrities, you attract that, what we call star power, and then bring in those audiences and build them onto the platform. So that's what I think Amazon is trying to do here with Amazon Amazon Music Player and their fund is bring these big celebrities onto the platform. What I want to know though is what's actually going to make a qualifying creator for their fund, for their program. Are they going to reward indie creators? I don't know. I think there's a lot of really hot, undiscovered talent out there. I, I, I met a guy, for example, in Dallas at Podcast Movement last month very unassuming guy, like mid fifties, ex-photographer who now has a, sh a show for curious people. He's doing 6 million downloads a month. He's a beast. You'd never know it. And I feel like Amazon Music Player with his focus on celebrities might miss on those, those kind of people. The other tricky thing as well is that being a performer in one area doesn't necessarily transform to being a performer in another. And I, I don't mean like performance, like high performance or productivity in this case. I mean, literally stage presence. Right. Just because I'm good on the stage doesn't mean I'm good on a podcast. Just because I'm good as a comedian doesn't necessarily mean I'm good as a, as a radio host. And so I'm interested if there are uh, kind of what formats lend themselves well to this modern day radio and then which ones are going to be duds too. Yeah, this is going to be interesting to watch. The, the, the live platforms are just very difficult to gain a big audience and then ultimately monetize. So I want to be optimistic about these new mm. platforms. I think they're great ideas and, and there's a lot of great talent out there that can be on here. But it's just a matter of, of what are the, the audiences and consumers interested in. So I'm feeling a little doubtful about the, the success of this platform. 
but uh, cool to see you know the investments that Amazon is making and, and playing a part here in, in democratizing um, radio, which, which tends to be pretty antiquated. Well, speaking of investments, you've got a great scoop on uh, a story that broke very, very recently. Why don't you fill us in on what this investment means for creators and the economy? So Knight Media, which is the management company that manages massive creators like Mr. Beast, has formed a partnership with TCG, which is the churning group, a venture capital firm. And through this partnership, the idea is that they are going to be focused on acquiring majority interest in consumer-facing companies in partnership with leading talent. So what they basically want to do is find these consumer-facing products and push them out with the talent that they have. And so it creates this really great partnership that we see happening across different mediums in the in the creator economy with creators selling products. And you know, we've talked about that with Walmart launching their own creator unit so that they have creators that are selling their products that are in stores. So uh, I'm curious, what do you make of this trend that's happening with content to commerce and how creators are capitalizing on that movement? So Mr. Beast is one of the biggest creators in the world, if not the biggest consumer-focused creator. He's got over 100 million subscribers on YouTube, and I think he's very singular. It's very hard to copy him. But what he is doing is paving the way for other creators to follow him, both in terms of the video format with these really large-scale attention-grabbing videos, and also the brands that he's launching off the back of it. Now, for those who aren't familiar, Brett just used this term called content to commerce. And what we mean by that is this idea that... Savvy creators think of themselves as media companies and savvy media companies think audience first. You build the audience first, you serve them, deliver value, and then launch products and services into that wave of attention and intention when someone wants to convert or, or do something with you. And so that's what Mr. Beast is doing really well right now is he's creating all these videos across Mr. Beast's React channel, uh, his multi-language channels, his main channel, his, his Twitch. He's getting all this attention and then he's plowing it into Feastables, his chocolate bar, into his restaurant location. And so... What I'm interested in seeing is what is the playbook for this? What are the indicators that someone not just has a high audience, but a high propensity to convert? Because something that, Brett, you and I were talking about earlier today with one of our creators is just because you have a huge audience doesn't necessarily mean that that audience is going to have a lot of intention behind it. So this is the difference between attention, just consuming the content, and then actually moving to action, purchasing, signing up for something. That's intention. And there are creators that have millions of followers on TikTok that are struggling to sell out rooms and sell products because they don't have that intention. And so... I'm interested in seeing if Night Media can template that. And if they can, what are the characteristics that indicate that this is a winner? And what are the characteristics that indicate we should pass on this? Because it's basically like you're, you're betting, you're building a portfolio of investments, but instead of investing in companies, you're investing in people. So I think what Mr. Beast has done really well, and, and we've talked about this at, at Workweek a lot, is that he has not only garnered this massive amount of attention through his, his content, but has also built intention where his audience is willing to actually take an action for him. And that action may be buying something that he promotes or buying something that he launches. And in this case, he he just recently launched the Feastables, which is his chocolate bar company, right? He's rivaling the, the chocolate brands, uh, Hershey's, 
Cadbury? Cadbury? Yeah, England? Cadbury. That's, that's the English that's winner the English right there. One. A man of culture, I see. Yeah, a man of culture. Mr. Worldwide. So, <laughs> you know, he's rivaling them because he has built this intention with his massive audience. And then he also just launched a physical restaurant yeah. to sell his Mr. Beast burger, which for some context, recently Mr. Beast launched a basically virtual only restaurant restaurant that was on uh, Grubhub and all the delivery apps through ghost kitchens and had like a burger that he was selling. So all these ghost kitchens have the recipe and they can make them across the United States. And it did numbers because people were like, oh, it's Mr. Beast. Like I'm going to go buy his burger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he actually launched a physical location right outside of New York City, actually, at, uh, I think, the American American Dream Mall. And uh, like 10,000 plus people showed up, not only just to buy the burger, but to see Mr. Beast. And it's just super exciting to see that. So basically, Night Media and TCG are betting on the fact that people want to hear from people, right? That's what we bet on here at Workweek, individuals over institutions. And if they can partner and, and buy these stakes in these consumer-facing brands, that they can then put that brand and partner it with a creator who can then sell numbers of this product and they'll build a really outstanding portfolio. So it's pretty genius uh, partnership and uh, I'm excited to see how that plays out. So I've got a question for you then. We've seen this blueprint. We've seen this mega creator building out his empire. The whole thesis behind this investment from TCG, investing a hundred million into Night Media, is that they can find Mr. Beast two, three, four, and five. If you're part of that team, if you're one of the scouts who's searching for Mr. Beast 2, 3, 4, and 5, what are some of the characteristics that you are honing in on to try and find that golden creator? So Mr. Beast's manager has actually talked about this, the criteria that he looks for in finding his talent that he wants to represent. And he has a ton of great talent at Night Media, which he's the co-founder of. And I recently was diving into a lot of his articles and interviews that he did to break down what he looks for in who he's managing, which in turn is basically, who does he believe is is the next Mr. Beast? Who has traits that are similar to Mr. Beast? And so um, the first of that is that obviously Reed really only partners with YouTubers over TikTokers, I guess I should say, because with YouTube, you're able to build a better community and a better connection with the audience, which we talked about in previous episodes. And then the other bit there is that uh, there's the ability for these creators to partner with brands, which is huge for this new partnership. You need to be able to partner with brands and you need to be able to sell a brand. And so with that, he chooses creators who have good reputations, who don't really talk a lot about violence. And um, that's something that's really big there. But I think uh, another bit is long-term thinkers. So finding Mm. creators who are long-term thinkers, who are, you know, thinking in decades, who are looking down the line, and especially for this partnership with TCG, understanding how can I build this brand that I'm partnered with over the next couple of years and not something that just comes immediately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think uh, another bit, of course, is just entrepreneurial creators. If you're partnering with creators who are going to sell stuff, they need to be actually interested in selling. Mm-hmm. And they also need to have, you know, the value prop of the creator needs to match, I guess, the value pop prop of of the brand that they're partnering with. So I think Mr. Beast and what he's launched is a great example. Like he's very fun. He's out there. He's crazy. Mr. Beast Burger, 
fun and crazy. Who doesn't like cheeseburgers? Mm-hmm. He also, with Mr. Beast Burger, by the way, they have like a Shrek quesadilla. It's like green and like whatnot. Like that's so <laughs> Mr. Beast. Oh God, that sounds vile. Yeah, I, I got to try it though. And then with uh, with Feastables, like chocolate, like it just, yeah, it just yeah. aligns really well with Mr. It Beast. Fits. But Mr. Beast is very entrepreneurial. He wants to succeed. He wants to make money. And you really need that in these creators. So I guess when Reed's looking for creators, to partner with or, or who they're looking for to be the next next Mr. Beast. They have like very clear c- criteria in terms of what they're looking for and what that potential looks like. So it's both an appetite for entrepreneurship and the creator, the choice of platform, the way they use the platform ethically and how long-term they think. And that I think is the, the most interesting piece of this because the, the key thing to being a creator is consistency. And if you can outlast everyone else, you just win. There's a great story of this uh, pottery sculptor and he was, I think, 82 and he'd sold out this exhibition. Someone asked him, how did you become so good? And he said, well, when I graduated, there were 20 students in my class, 200 in the school. 10 years later, there were 15 of us in total. 30 years later, there were three. Today, it's me and one other guy. So he just outlasted everybody else. And and if you can think like that as a creator, I think you're in a, in a great spot. I recently heard on Twitter, Sahil Bloom, who you're probably familiar with, Big, big Twitter creator. He uh, was on an interview uh, podcast and really basically just said what you said about showing up, being consistent. So he played baseball at Stanford and he was like, even if I wasn't the most athletic on the field, the fact that I was consistently showing up and would show up more than my other teammates was why I was going to beat them out. And the same idea with how he grew on Twitter. Uh, He just showed up. He just stayed consistent and he beat out other folks who, you know, may have been better creators than him, but he he was there. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe Sahil would be signed to promote a product uh, with Night Media and TCG. But uh-huh. just just a prime example of, of being consistent in what Night Media looks for in a creator and what will help them find uh, the next Mr. Beast and who's going to be that next billion dollar, billion dollar creator brand. All right, let's jump to our next segment. So today we're going to talk about Patreon. Now, for those of you who don't know, Patreon is a subscription platform which helps pay creators every single month. It is in some hot water right now, Brett. It's laying off 17% of its staff. It's closing its Berlin office, closing its Dublin office. And this is right after a $155 million raise led by Tiger Global, tripling its valuation to $4 billion. Patreon isn't alone here. Other tech platforms have been affected. JellySmack, Lightrick, Stream Elements, all big creator tech platforms. And Patreon's CPO, Julian Gutman, their chief product officer, he came over from Instagram and he was pretty hopeful of a very aggressive hiring policy. He was saying that Patreon's going to double in size by the end of 2022. But it seems like they're focusing on the US market rather than the global creator economy. So, Brett, I think there's a couple of factors that are at play. Do you think that this is more a product of market trends? So the fact that we are probably heading into a recession and we're seeing this contraction across the board, or is this a creator sentiment about subscription platforms more generally? Is it the fact that subscriptions are hard to do, or it's a model that creators aren't considering so much? Where's your head at with this? Dare I say it's a mix of both. I think on one end, there is, you know, with the market conditions in the United States and globally as well, folks, uh, audiences are just less likely to want to put money up to put towards their favorite creator, where obviously in a booming economy, you are willing to spend that money and maybe put it towards a creator. But the thing this goes back to our attention versus intention conversation, where I just generally think a lot of creators have grown really rapidly 
and have a lot of attention. They have a lot of followers, but they haven't been able to build a, a really deep and tight connection with their audiences to the point where they're willing to tip them money or spend money on certain products. Now, I, I hear Patreon used a lot with YouTube because you're able to build a pretty deep connection on YouTube. I did like Hank Green. I, I remember like donating to his Patreon or wanting to just in case people go and look to see my history there. <laughs> but um, with TikTok and, and all these platforms where like you see massive followings being built and you see a lot of folks becoming creators rapidly, it just I just feel like there's not, the intention hasn't been built where audiences want to actually pay that creator and pay for subscriptions there. So I, I just think it's a general sentiment between the conditions in the market and also just how people are approaching uh, their connection with a, a creator that they mm. follow. The difficult thing as well is that this economy is very new and it's going to take time. And the truth is the market comes and goes in cycles and we're probably entering another contraction right now that could last for two years, maybe more. And so if you are a creator, the opportunity to monetize the window, it may be closing and it's not going to close forever. Those again, who outlast, who like Brett shared with Sahil Bloom that can persist, they're going to be in an amazing position in two or three years when this swings back the other way. But I do think it's worth thinking about what is your baseline layer of security when it comes to, to monetization? Like is now the time to diversify to the next revenue stream to open up a subscription community? Probably not. You probably want to double down on what's working already. Yeah. And just a final note. So this was a Berlin and Dublin layoff. So the focus in the United States, I, I'd be curious, you know, after this to research what the, the numbers in the creator economy are like between the United States and worldwide. I, it'd be, my assumption is that the United States is booming with the creator economy and all the content being right. put out there. So it just makes sense that Patreon wants to kind of focus its efforts uh, on yeah. this economy. All right. Well, for our final segment of season one, Mr. Dachevsky, why don't you take us away? Yeah, this is the final one and a, a cool company that I came across that I'm surprised I haven't known about, but this company called Spotter has paid out over $600 million to creators this year and vows to hit $1 billion. And so I think it's it's worth noting who is Spotter. So basically they're a company that provides upfront cash to YouTube creators to grow and diversify their business. And in exchange for that payout, Spotter gets basically licensing uh, access to their previous catalog of videos. And so then they can make money off of their uh, advertisements from those videos. And Spotter has this like unique algorithm where they're able to basically assess what kind of ad revenue would come from their previous video catalog. Uh, and then I guess basically pays out like 80% upfront to the creator of, of what those returns would be. And it's usually like a, a three to five year contract. Mm. So fun fact, Spotter partnered with Mr. Beast, gave him an upfront lump sum of money for like over three to five years. And so Spotter had basically the monetization from Mr. Beast's previous video catalog. And with that upfront money that Mr. Beast got, he launched, I, I believe it was like his the Spanish Mr. Beast channel, which in turn brought in a ton of revenue. Crush Mr. Beast. It, yeah. So Do you know who the main voice actor on that Spanish channel is? The Spanish Mr. Beast? No, who is it? He's the same voice actor who does Spider-Man in Spanish. Wow. Yeah. So they've got like a celeb to come in and, and blow it up. That's awesome. Pretty cool. Very good good voiceover. But this company is just it's just super interesting. It, it's a great way to allow creators to grow, uh, especially focus on on diverse creators, you know, folks, uh, people of color, women creators, minorities. 
and give them an incentive to invest in their growth while also Spotter clearly gets an upside in in monetizing previous videos. So mm. I think it's great and really cool that they have this like algorithm that assesses it. Have you heard of Spotter? Have you heard no. of companies doing something similar to this? I haven't. But what I really like about this is the number that they choose to focus on reporting, which is the amount they've paid out to the creator. They don't care about how much they've made. They tell you how much they're serving their client. And that's a serious lump sum. I mean, if it's a profitable business, you've got to imagine that they've, they've done over a billion in total. Yeah, I got to see what that what that payout is. But it's cool that they can assess like, hey, you can, we think we're going to bring in a million dollars over the yeah. next year from these past videos. So we're going to give you $800,000 or something. And and they make a nice little exchange there. Did I do my math right? Something like 80% that. 80% of a million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Brett can uh, count to 10. He's yeah. got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just super interesting, these investments uh, in creators. I don't know. Do you, do you see creators uh, like raising money like venture capital firms or something like that versus mm. like, taking out a loan or other companies like spotter coming in could we see creators go public in the future like could mr beast go public can yeah. we invest in him yeah yeah i mean balaji has this great term balaji srinivasan where he talks about the founding influencer and how founders will have an advantage if you cultivate influence first and then launch your product into a hungry audience that is primed so I think we're we're starting to see that trend in in startups already. And that's kind of the, the thing, the point I came back to earlier is like, if you think more the audience first and you have high affinity, high intention with your audience, then when you launch something, they're going to be interested in telling their friends and, and sharing it. And you don't need a crazy big audience to be able to do that. So can you go public by yourself as a name? I'm not sure because you you need trust from the public markets to be able to do that. And I don't know if betting on a person, it's probably a bit too risky, probably. I mean, it could happen, I'm not sure. But having that creator become the CEO of a company, which then goes public, I could totally see happen. Yeah, and th this could open up a whole a whole other topic, but like with Web3, there were talks about like, you can launch a coin, right? Like a, a mm -hmm. Brett and Ben coin, and you can basically invest in that coin and it gains value based on like your, your social stance online, right. um, which was super interesting for like helping creators being able to monetize and, and basically helping mu musicians monetize because there's some iffy stuff with streaming. So, you know, I guess we'll see uh, over the next couple of years, how uh, we invest in creators and start to treat them like actual businesses because they are businesses, but again, they are people and our approach is there to ensure that there are aligned incentives and that we are, uplifting diverse creators, people of color, women creators, uh, and minority creators uh, for the better. So uh, really excited to see where the creator economy goes. Really excited for for more products to develop and more companies to come to fruition. And not so excited for layoffs. I don't want any more layoffs in the creator economy. But uh, yeah, any, any uh, last words uh, as we approach the end of uh, this season and, and what the outlook is looking like for the creator economy towards the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited for Q4. We're a couple of weeks away from this. We recorded this on September 20th. Workweek's got some big stuff cooking across our creator portfolio. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun bringing that to life. The events we've got coming up, the courses, the podcast, the newsletters, everything in between. So if you've made it this far, I really appreciate you listening. And uh, we've got some really fun ideas for season two that'll be we'll be kicking off later this year so uh yeah stay tuned for that and uh, as always you know where to find us on twitter emails you can reach me ben at workweek.com or brett at workweek.com and yeah we'd love to hear from you all right Don't thanks for deal. listening we just high-fived again in person <laughs> in person baby i, I think go. maybe for our future seasons we'll try to get these all in person all the time i think so cool. that'd be pretty awesome all right guys take care
Thanks for tuning in. Keep the fun coming by subscribing on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with a friend? It really helps us spread our message. We'll see you next time.